This summer at Kenilworth Union, we're following the ministry of Jesus as that, as that comes to us in the Gospel of Luke. We're using the passage from the Revised Common Lectionary. This week's message is uh, from Luke chapter 10, a well-known story. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him. Martha had a sister named Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. But Jesus answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but Mary has chosen the better part. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, an important guest comes to dinner Immediately, one sister starts scurrying around, scaring up a lavish repast worthy of Alinea, and the other sister immediately grabs a goblet of Grenache, sits on the couch, and starts chatting him up. Industrious Martha complains to Jesus about slothful Mary. I bet this dispute has been going on between them since both of them learned to walk and to talk. And I'll bet you anything that Martha is an eldest and Mary is a youngest, maybe Lazarus is in between, because eldest want to comply and please and succeed and perform, and the youngest want to do what the youngest want to do. So when Martha complains to Jesus about Mary, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but Mary has chosen the better part. <laughs> Martha, Martha, says Jesus. There's got to be a gentle rebuke in that doubling of her name, right? When my wife says, William, William, I know I'm in trouble. Martha, 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 says Jesus. It reminded one Bible scholar of a 1960s sitcom. Martha, 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 this is the Brady Bunch with a lisp. Remember last we looked at the Good Samaritan story where a lawyer asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? And instead of a, uh, answering him directly, Jesus gives him an example of a good man who helps a, a person in need. And when Jesus is finished giving his example to the lawyer, Jesus says, go and do likewise. Now, the story of Martha and Mary follows immediately upon the Good Samaritan story. They belong together because they're counterparts and polar opposites. In the Good Samaritan story, Jesus says, go and do. In the Mary and Martha story, Jesus says, sit and listen. Don't just do something, sit there. So how do you preach a sermon when you disagree with Jesus? Because I'm kind of on... Martha's side in all of this, and I'll tell you why. It's because I am natively, endemically a Mary myself. I love to sit at Jesus' feet and listen. That's what I spent eight years in seminary doing, listening to Jesus. For 37 years, I spent at least two days a week studying Jesus. It's what comes naturally to me because I am sort of mechanically and manually disabled. I can barely hang a picture or change a light bulb. And I think it's true that we admire people who can do what we can't, right? 
And so I love the omnicompetent. I love people who can do, every, do everything. I love Jack Reacher and Jason Bourne and Denzel Washington and Charlize Theron and Liam Neeson. I have a very particular set of skills, he says. A particular set of skills that I have acquired over a very long career. A set of skills that make me a nightmare for someone like you. So I love people who can hotwire a car, fly an airplane, and then jump out of it, ride a motorcycle up a set of steps, and surgically remove a bullet from their own shoulder. I love doers and solvers and leaders, and that's how I think of Martha. But, of course, the Christian church needs both Mary and Martha, right? Have you thought about this? We sort of spend about half of our time sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to Him. In worship, in Bible study, we sit at Jesus' feet and listen to Him. And then we go out and serve our neighbor, right? We serve food for dinners for eight or work at the soup kitchen or repair the homes of the poor. You remember how this whole section of Luke's gospel got started, right at the beginning of the Good Samaritan story, right? A lawyer asked Jesus, what's the meaning of life? And the answer turns out to be, love God above all and your neighbor as yourself. That is to say, Christianity has a vertical component, love God, and a horizontal component, love your neighbor as yourself. And we're reminded of this every time we see a Christian cross, right? With its vertical post and its horizontal beam. That's a full comprehensive Christian existence. Love God, serve neighbor. Mary's good at the vertical. Martha's good at the horizontal. One Bible scholar pointed out that some Christian churches, scores of them actually, hundreds of them around the world, don't name themselves after a single saint, but after a duet of saints. They call themselves Saints Martha and Mary. So there's Saints Mary and Martha Roman Catholic Church in Massachusetts. And there's St. Mary and St. Martha Lutheran Church in San Francisco because these congregations know that we can't make it without each other. We need both Martha and Mary to be comprehensive and complete and muscular and effective. And so, if you're a doer or a solver or a leader or a type A or an eldest Take a minute to slow down and sit at Jesus' feet. You know what? A lot of of our congregation has forgotten about this, but we are here every single Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10, sitting at Jesus' feet. We have all these splendid learning opportunities with brilliant scholars like Christine and Katie. This will all ground you. This will balance you. This will calm you down. This will provide your life with space and openness, and it will make you an infinitely more fascinating conversationalist at a dinner party. And so we cultivate this rich, multidimensional inner life, the vertical dimension of life. You know, my section of Christianity is Presbyterian, and I love being Presbyterian because it's kind of a cerebral corner of the Christian church. We love to read books and study the Bible. We think about our faith a lot. And Presbyterians have this phrase called the stewardship of the life of the mind. I love that phrase, the stewardship of the life of the mind, that rich, multidimensional inner dimension of human existence. So we slow down. We lose our to-do list. We listen to God, and we listen to the earth. 
Take your shoes off. The ground you're standing on is holy. I hope you at least noticed that magnificent buck moon that was ours on July 13. A supermoon, an unmerited benediction. Kathy and I went to a movie theater Friday night for the first time in two and a half years. And the only thing that could do that, get us out there, is where the crawdads sing. Because I love Delia Owen's novel so much, I just had to see the film. And if you've read the book or seen the film, you know that Tate, Kaya's uh, lifelong love, studies his native marshlands for the University of North Carolina. And so in the book, at least, there he is out among the rivulets and the tall grasses collecting specimens. And he places a drop of marsh water under a microscope and he asks Kaya to look. And she does. And she catches her breath as a Mardi Gras of costumed players, pirouettes and careens into view. Unimaginable headdresses adorned astonishing bodies so eager for more life they frolicked as though caught in a circus tent. One drop of marsh water. And Tate looks at Kaya's speechless wonder and he says to himself she feels the pulse of life because there are no layers between her and her planet are there layers of worry and distraction between you and your planet do you feel the pulse of life Kaya looks and she says it's as if you've never seen the stars and then suddenly you saw them have you seen the stars in a drop of marsh water or in the Stygian abyss of the night sky? After she saw those stunning images of the Webb telescope, Kathy Peepgrass wrote me. She said, Now we know what the primary source of all love and wisdom has been up to these last 13 billion years. Not so? And so if you are so busy scaring up a Michelin-starred meal that you can't stop and breathe a silent prayer of gratitude to God for all of this, to listen to Jesus, to listen to the earth, well, I don't know how I can help you. Ferris Bueller says, life moves pretty fast. And if you don't stop once in a while and look around, you might miss it. 